Welcome to the Growth Cap Podcast, where we chat with CEOs, investors, and other key industry leaders to uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. I'm your host, RJ Lumba, Managing Partner of Growth Cap. In this episode, we chat with Russ Glass, CEO of Ginger, an on-demand mental health company. Through Ginger, Russ and his team are solving a massive problem that until now was often left without an adequate solution. An estimated 1 billion people around the world go undiagnosed, and when we consider the societal cost of large segments of our population that are mentally unwell, we begin to understand the significance of Ginger's mission. Prior to joining Ginger, Russ led products for LinkedIn marketing solutions and was formerly founder, president, and CEO of Bizzo, a B2B audience marketing and data platform which was acquired by LinkedIn in 2014. We hope you enjoy the show. So Russ, thanks again for taking the time and joining us. Really excited to speak with you. Maybe what we could do for our audience is give a little bit of background on yourself as well as Ginger, and you can do that in whichever order you prefer. Sounds great. Thanks a ton for having me. Excited to be here. I'm the CEO of Ginger. I have been here about two years now, a multiple time entrepreneur, really been an entrepreneur my entire life, starting with a tennis racket stringing business in high school and on through college and then four venture backed startups since I graduated from Duke University. My last one was a company called Bizzo, which was in the B2B data space. I sold that to LinkedIn after growing it for six years and ran the marketing solutions business at LinkedIn. I left there after three years to be dad. I've got three small girls between five and 11 years old and wanted to spend some quality time with them. So it took about a year, year and a half to do that and realized that you know, as an entrepreneur, I wanted to start to do things that really needed to exist in the world. Started to think about what kinds of companies could be solving important problems. And as I was thinking about that, I came across Ginger. And Ginger is an on-demand mental health system. We're trying to solve for this huge supply-demand imbalance that exists in the mental health space, where far more people need access to care than there are providers to provide access to care. And we are using a virtual, entirely digital approach with behavioral health coaches, therapists, and psychiatrists available in all 50 states and 29 countries around the world in order to help crack this imbalance and make sure people can get real-time access to care. It's really interesting when I was looking at your background earlier that you were in a more traditional technology entrepreneur path. I guess you still are, but you've made this kind of jump into a new segment. It does sound like you had proactively looked for this type of opportunity. Is that right? Interestingly, yes. It, it is right. Although I thought I would found another company because that's typically what I've done. And as I was ideating and, and thinking about ideas for a company that could have an impact on the world, I came across Ginger. And the more I dug and, and saw, A, the size of the problem, you know, there are 300 million people around the world that have a mental health condition that aren't getting care today. There's an estimated a billion people around the world that have an undiagnosed mental health condition. And then I looked at the sort of societal costs of mental health issues. You know, NIH estimates that somebody with a mental health issue costs the healthcare system two and a half times 
someone who doesn't have a condition would cost. The individual impacts of having mental health issues, the, the fact that you just, it's hard to live your life when you're anxious and depressed and certainly hard to maximize your happiness. It felt like I was not going to come up with an idea myself that was as powerful and as impactful as what Ginger was doing. And so I hopped on board. That's fantastic. Thinking about this whole mental health space, there's obviously other companies that have popped up along the way, almost in parallel. There's Headspace, there's Calm. These solutions have been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years of trying to think about how to manage oneself, how to think about one's thoughts and lead a more calm, peaceful life. How is it that technology, and in particular, ginger, can be used to help folks cope better with stress and other anxieties? I think there are a few ways. I mean, I think your point's a great one. I think it's literally been 5,000 years since we've been thinking about concepts on mindfulness and how to use different techniques like breathing techniques to feel calmer, to reduce anxiety. What's happened in the modern age, and particularly in an aggressively accelerating way in the last, let's say, 15, 20 years, is that we're now in this always-on information deluge. And I think our brains were not evolved to handle the level of information that's coming at us, the always-on nature of that information. And, you know, we see this in particular with people whose brains have been growing and they've had access to these devices since they were very young. And we've seen sleep patterns get disrupted, which we know affects mental health. We've seen this inability to calm the brain down that used to be much easier. So I think there's a lot of changes that have taken place because of technology that have caused some of these issues. Back to your question, you know, I think what technology can do on the positive side is solve for the fact that it's actually quite hard today to find providers who can help. It's quite hard today from a stigma standpoint even. Mm -hmm. Get in the car, drive to someone's office, the friction involved, be willing to actually sit down and start to get care when you need it from a mental health standpoint. With technology, we can deliver super high quality care right from your living room, right from your couch. You don't even have to get dressed to get super high quality care today. And that's the first part is that sort of delivery mechanism. The second part that's really valuable about what we can do today is measure everything. So we can have a deep understanding of how you're doing, how that compares to what you were doing before, what interventions are actually leading to positive outcomes, and what have we seen in the millions of conversations that we've had prior that we can apply to you because what you're dealing with is similar to a number of other people out there. And this is what we've seen work with those people. So A, it's delivery, B, it's measurement. And then finally, we can bring all of the best evidence-based paradigms to bear. So we can bring exercises like mindfulness and breathing. We can bring activity cards or what they call computerized cognitive behavioral therapy to the table that's proven to work. And we can use providers like coaches and, and therapists to help motivate you to stay on that track and monitor that over time. So all of that is, is really brand new in the last five, 10 years that this is even possible. I presume there's a kind of a spectrum of folks who have some mental issues, like there could be very mild issues, some stress all the way to debilitating mental issues. 
It sounds like you have behavioral coaches on the other end that help treat specific cases. How does that work? How do you match up patient to the therapist, so to speak? It's a great question. Our system is designed around the concept that, first of all, a lot of people need need clinical care. So they need care that is provided by a therapist or a psychiatrist that is that is trained to handle more severe or more acute issues. But the vast majority of people are what we would call subclinical. They don't have active conditions, but they have the beginnings of what might turn into active conditions if not supported. So they might have mild anxiety. They might have mild depression. They might just have a lot of stress. These behavioral health coaches are resources that can help people understand what they're going through, help them learn what options they have to take the next step, then practice those 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 exercises, practice lifestyle changes in order to manage these conditions so they get better or at least don't get worse. The analogy I would use is a gym coach. You know, anybody can go into a gym and lift weights, but a gym coach will help you understand how to do it right. They'll push you to do that next couple of reps and they'll hold you accountable for continuing to show up on a every other day basis or however often you want to work out. That's kind of what our behavioral health coaches do for mental health. They're training, they're, they're helping to personalize your care pathway, and they're holding you accountable to continue to make these lifestyle changes that you need. The way our system operates, though, is that you have these coaches that then can bring in other resources if needed. So if you need more serious care or more acute care, they can bring a therapist on the care team. They can bring a psychiatrist with medication management needed. Mm-hmm. Do you go to the extent of helping people who want to kind of, I guess, better optimize their performance in business or as a professional? We're not focused on things like what I would call executive coaching. We're not optimizing from the standpoint of a exec coach or a business coach might do. We're entirely focused on the mental health aspects of it. So it's how do you reduce and maintain low stress levels? How do you manage anxiety and depression? How do you manage the mental health issues that might lead to substance abuse or or other things like that? Got it. The business model, it sounds like you work through employers. And so it's a benefit that employers can provide their employees. Primarily, that's correct. The vast majority of our customers, we've got over 100 now, are enterprises that are hearing from their employees that they can't get access to care. They're seeing that these rates of mental health issues are skyrocketing and they want to make sure that they're supporting their employees. And so they bring Ginger in. We charge them on a per employee per month basis for access to unlimited exercises, unlimited coaching, and the platform. And then we charge them increased levels of care, like therapy and psychiatry are needed. We charge them on a fee-for-service basis that's built back through their health plan. Mm-hmm. It appears that you've been growing, you know, saw the sequential fundraises and you've got very good backers. How's the pickup been in terms of just the volume of users? We more than tripled last year and, you know, we're on track to triple again this year. So significant growth. The pre-COVID period, we saw immense need. And obviously, as you can imagine, now in this period of time, it's exponential in terms of people's needs. We're seeing a 2x increase in our clinical service usage over the last two months. Mm. We're seeing almost 100% increase. That's plateaued a little bit, interestingly. So it's now up but the 2x increase in just monthly active users is leveled off at that higher level. We think 
that we may see another spike again now that we're seeing a a spike in COVID cases and the realization that we're in this for the long haul. This isn't going to be a fast recovery. We expect to see it continue to climb, but we feel fortunate we're in a position to be able to handle the scale that is coming at us because that's really how we've designed this system to scale in a nonlinear way for these kinds of needs. Is the majority of usage users accessing existing content based on what their particular needs are at that moment? Majority of usage is users interacting with their coaches. Okay. So they build longitudinal relationships with those coaches. They get to know them. They build trusting relationships. And as they are continuing to work on what they need to work on, those coaches are helping them continue to take those next steps. Ultimately, the goal is give every individual the ability to manage their own mental health. So give them the understanding of what triggers their anxieties or, 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 or other issues. Give them the understanding of what self-care can help when things do get triggered. Give them an understanding of what helps them avoid getting triggered so that over time, they don't need a coach anymore. But the coach is always there for them if they do have a relapse or something comes up that changes their mental health state. Mm-hmm. Your coaches must be very well trained, and I would think it's important to keep them around for a long time, particularly if you have a user that develops a strong relationship with a particular coach or therapist. The coaches are incredible. I mean, all of our providers are incredible, but I would say the coaches are uniquely special and they're incredibly experienced. They're incredibly well-trained. They they are able to show compassion at a level that is just astonishing. And they're all full-time employees of ours. Their turnover rate is very low. And at the same time, it can be a stressful job to be a behavioral health coach, particularly in periods like this, when the coaches are dealing with these stressors and anxieties, just like everybody else is. But then they have to turn around and provide care. Like any doctor right now is going through a stressful period and any provider caretaker is going through a stressful period. Same with our coaches. So we spend a lot of effort thinking about how do we make sure that the care they're providing is sustainable and they have what they need to provide this kind of care in a long-term sustainable way. And uh, switching gears a little bit, you've had an incredible run as an entrepreneur, and even before that, I guess, working with venture-backed companies. More so being the entrepreneur and building your own company, which you then successfully sold to LinkedIn, what were some of the key things that you learned about just business and how to be successful if you're trying to scale an organization or, or even earlier on, just getting your business off the ground? I think I would start with it's always a combination of good thinking and good people, but there's also luck involved. I think any entrepreneur that doesn't recognize that timing is part of it and being in the right industry at the right time is a huge part of success is not being totally transparent. I think luck's a part of it. But when I look at my failures compared to my successes, it's almost always come down to people and hiring the right kinds of people, having a meaningful and thoughtful approach to building a culture and then bringing the right kinds of people in that fit in that culture. And when I've made mistakes, it's been because I've either hired the wrong people or I haven't recognized when they were the wrong people and have kept them around too long. And when I've been successful, it's been because I've surrounded myself with people who are just superstars and are able to figure it out and work through all of the challenges that startups throw at you as you scale. Have you had a mentor or a coach who helped 
guide you along the way or provide advice when you needed it? I've had a few people that through my career, I think, have been impactful and meaningful. I would say one is my dad. He was an entrepreneur and had a textile company growing up. I think watching him, I learned probably the the value of and importance of just ethics and honesty and transparency, even in really hard times, which the textile industry faced in the years where he was there. I also learned the importance of being in an industry that's growing and not shrinking was a valuable lesson there. There's a guy named Wade Monroe, who in my first job and then first company, he was the CFO of a company called Trilogy that I joined right out of college and then was an investor at my startup, that my first real venture-backed startup coming out of there. And Wade really helped me understand the importance of planning, the importance of sort of financial acumen and understanding how do you build a company with your lifeblood finances as the core. And again, he reinforced that he was such an ethical and transparent and honest person. So there was a reinforcement there. And Zoom Info CEO, Jonathan Stern, who was a very successful entrepreneur, hired me to run products. And then I ran marketing at Zoom Info, taught me the power of profitability. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs build companies always thinking about that next fundraise. Yonatan built companies thinking about profits. And it's a very different approach, but I think that balanced a lot of how I think about building companies. It's not just about growth and and that next fundraise. It's it's really about how do you build a long-term sustainable business. And then finally, Jeff Wiener, the CEO of LinkedIn, who acquired my last company, he and I have become close and I've never seen anybody build culture at scale with compassion and really with an eye towards how critical values are than Jeff. Jeff has taken that to a whole nother level and I've learned a ton about how do you do that, not just at a startup level, which I had learned and I think had very much built Bizzo around those concepts, but then how do you scale that? How do you bring that to a global company with 10,000 plus people. And Jeff has been an incredible mentor in that regard. I've seen a lot of press on him as well as videos, and he really does seem to embody a different kind of leadership that you don't typically see in Silicon Valley or with tech companies. And it it is one of compassion, and it it really seems to, to come through. I guess just touching on that for a moment, how do you make that scalable? How do you pass on one individual's ethos to an organization with tens of thousands of people? First, I think it starts with the people you hire. So it starts with being very focused on the culture fit and the values of the kinds of people you're bringing into the company, because not one person can never, can never scale that by themselves. They have to have people around them that are the right types of people and embody those values, embody the vision and culture of the company that you're trying to scale. Second is one of the things that Jeff would say is you have to repeat yourself to the point of being tired of what you're saying, because it'll take about seven tries before everybody has truly heard it. So the whole notion there is that as you're building a company and you're being very focused on your vision, your mission, the values that you're embodying and how you want to build the company, the strategies and the tactics, you have to repeat yourself again and again and again as a leader to make sure that everybody understands it, that everybody really has a good sense for what's happening. It's not enough just to say it once. 
So that's another piece of it. I think then it's consistency. I think a lot of leaders that struggle with this are not able to be consistent. And when they're not consistent, they don't build trust in the organization. Trust is consistency over time. And when you combine these things and you take great people that embody these values in the culture you're trying to build, you repeat again and again and again what we're trying to accomplish. You give them a clear sense of where we're going and why, and they feel ownership over that. And then you are consistent over time in how you're going to approach everything you do as a company. You can really scale the type of culture you're trying to build. There's some very good, helpful insights to anyone leading an organization or even group. Well, you know, we're just about out of time here. And again, really appreciate you spending your time with us. You've been very generous and very much enjoyed hearing your story as well as what Ginger is accomplishing. It's a very important mission. So thank you again. And we wish you and the company the best of luck. Thanks so much. Appreciate you taking the time to chat.